0: Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial and 30% off your new account for three months, just head over to Squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP12. this week on TWiP. DSLRs banned from a UK tube station because of their resolution. The iPhone invades stock photography. Kodak is in the ER. And rumors of another new memory format to replace compact flash. It's Wednesday, December 14th, 2011. And this is TWiP. Welcome back to your weekly source of photographic inspiration. I am your host Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today on Twip Two Thirty Two are Mr. Ron Brinkman and Nicole Young. Hey guys. Hey. Hello. Hey Nicole, you have not been on in quite a while. What Mm -hmm. has been going on? I know. I think the last time you were on, you were about to move from Utah to some other state. Where? What happened? What's going on? Yeah,
1: hasn't been that long. Yes. That was in. that would have been like late October probably then. Well,
0: that's not that far away.
1: No. No, actually just a few weeks ago I got home from traveling through Vietnam for about three weeks. Oh, jeez. Nice. So I had a nice long vac- photogra- photographic vacation. <laughs>
0: Wow. wow, how was that? I mean, how, did you like what is traveling through Vietnam? Were you on like a yak or something? Or how would you?
1: <laughs> yeah, yes, I traveled
2: on a yak. It's good. It was
0: it's just alienate all our Vietnamese listeners right now. <laughs> I don't. I'm the dumb American. Come on.
1: <laughs> no, I, it was. Uh, it was really. It was amazing. I didn't know anything. I just kind of like. You know, I kind of did the whole spin the globe. I didn't literally do it, but you know, like spin the globe, put your finger down and see where it lands, and that's kind of you know. I just was randomly searching and that's I. That's crazy. To Vietnam and it seemed really colorful and vibrant, and it was. I knew nothing about the culture or the the country other than you know the blips from that you hear about from the Vietnam War mm-hmm. and yeah. So, and of course it's completely different than it
0: was. So were yeah. you, Nicole, were you there like for, on just, you just like, okay, I need to go there. I feel some urge to go to Vietnam or were you there on assignment or was it, no, it was, I it want was, content for iStock? What, no, what was well
1: it? it was in any, any kind of trip I do where I'm taking pictures, I can usually use it for some kind of work, but it wasn't yeah. any assignment. It was a full, you know, I, it was just like anyone going on vacation. I, I paid for it. I went, I, I brought all my camera gear and took pictures along the way so it wasn't any there was no specific you know shoot or anything i needed to get i didn't have any clients i was working for it was a it was a personal vacation but you know like i said you'll see photos i'm sure turning up in books or portfolios or you
0: know. yeah yeah that's awesome wow congratulations well and nice. welcome home <laughs> thanks yeah all right also on the show is Mr Ron Brinkman Ron again you I, don't, I think you've been on more recently than Nicole, but what have you been up to?
2: It's been a while too. Um, I've been spinning the globe, trying to uh, put my finger down on some place to visit. <laughs> so
0: it's probably going to land someplace tropical, if I know you.
2: <laughs> right.
0: Actually, I think it landed
2: on Egypt. So uh,
0: look at that. So you're you you're going They're to tropical. Egypt when? Uh, in a few weeks, right right
2: over the end of the year. I'm actually going to uh, Jordan and Egypt.
0: Did you like honestly, did you literally spin a globe and then yeah, s- drop your much. finger on it?
2: <laughs> no, actually what I did is I have some frequent flyer miles and, and it was uh it's British Airways their their mileage program was changing and they were devaluing the miles a bunch, so I figured I needed to book something. So it was more a matter of spinning the globe but then finding which things were actually a potential option for using frequent flyer miles on.
0: So. Wow, that's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah it should be wow. fun. Jealous of both of you guys. I get so down to...
2: If there are any, any listeners out there that are uh, in in either of those places, or even have been to either of those places, feel free to get in touch with me.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. How do they get in touch with you? Uh, You know, we'll give the info at the end or go to the <laughs> website. <or laughs> the, find to find out there. how to contact Ron Brinkman, <laughs> you, you have, have to listen to, listen listen to the entire show. <laughs> Just Google, Google me. You'll probably find some way to get to me. There you go. Cool guys, let's let's jump into the show. Um, first thing I want to talk about is um, it's about the UK. We haven't talked about the United Kingdom oh for for a while on the show. I mean, <laughs> back for they were heating up a while ago with with regard to like impre in, in or encroaching on photographer rights, but now they're back. And apparently, a photographer Tim Allen spotted this sign, a sign which we'll link to in the uh, in the show notes but it was outside the Aldwich tube station and basically the the sign said this they're banning photography from that particular tube and they said the prob- the reason why they're banning uh cameras or photography is that DSLR specifically due to their quote combination of high quality a high quality gear or sensor and high resolution are that that was the reason. <laughs> Those are banned, right? It, yeah. It's bad because that combination of features is They're bad. are just too YouTube. good. <laughs> this is it, I want to, of course, throw this to you, Ron, because you <laughs> love talking about this. <laughs> uh, it's just another example of stupid people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow, because we have so few to choose from. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
2: No, I mean right, just and just to give a little bit more info on it, it's actually not. It's it's a. Um, it's a closed down tube station that's now used as a museum, so it's technically a, really a museum where they're doing this ban, which doesn't oh, okay. make it any okay. better so it's a tourist spot yeah i mean and, and and so but it literally says on this big sign that you can't bring in DSLRs due to their high quality sensor and high resolution, but otherwise you can uh, come in and take all the photos you want, which is obviously is ridiculous, especially in this day and age where you know a, a DSLR from four or five years ago is actually probably lower quality than some of these point-and-shoots you can get. I don't know where they categorize micro four-thirds and all of that as well. So it's some arbitrary bonehead who doesn't know anything about it, you know, making a sign, basically.
0: He has a little ruler at the door, and he's measuring lenses.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. well, that's the thing. And, And, you know, we've heard this before at sporting events where professional gear, which is at least a little bit more of a... I don't know, it's still stupid, but, the, you know, banning certain types of cameras and classes of cameras. And I, and I guess somebody looked a little bit further into this and there was a little clarification saying that um, it was because certain photographers tend to take longer and shoot more photos and they didn't want everything to back up. But
0: uh, again. That seems like a more valid you know sort of reason why then their their combination of high quality sensors and high resolution means you can't come in you
2: know and you know i'd be willing to bet that the net result is that it ends up backing stuff up anyway because then the person at the gate who doesn't know anything has got to figure out what kind of camera you've got and then you know so uh, the line forms trying to figure out if you've got a banned camera or not as opposed to just dealing with the real issue if that's what it was which is if somebody's holding things up then you know kick them along and and get them to get them to move but yeah yeah. i understand
1: maybe saying no tripods for yeah and i've I've seen that
2: one yeah
1: because you know if i have a if i have an slr versus like my like just even my iphone it's going to take me less time to pick up my slr take a quick photo than it is for me to you know get my iphone get the app i want to use and then take a picture which is what more people are going to use than an slr yeah
2: yeah, exactly. And I have seen, I've seen that tripod thing too, and that makes a little more sense to me too. Because then, if you've got a, especially in a close quarters kind of an environment where We're people are trying to,
1: yeah, then uh, we don't want you to create good photos. Concerned. Yeah,
0: yeah. 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 Well, what about monopods? What if you like? Okay, I'm not bringing a tripod. I'm gonna bring my little monopod in here and take just as long, but I only have one <laughs> foot. <All
2: right. laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I I think it's bottom line is that there's there's so much of this where people don't understand exactly the technology they're talking about and then it sort of snowballs into even dumber rules as far as I can tell. Well I mean, and if it, you it,
1: actually if you actually read what they've wrote uh the, the when they act on the article that this is, you know, that we linked to, uh, they said that they there were restrictions on professional cameras and tripods because they were concerned that people using them could delay the tours. Yeah, which nice. it's not like they had past experience with people delaying the tours and getting you know, get people getting in trouble or tripping over tripods. It's just they're they're trying to think ahead on something they don't really understand very much about.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean it's it's arbitrary. Why why pick people that are shooting camera? Why not just say something like anyone who delays the line you yeah. know, more than a certain time, you know, please don't do that kind of thing. You know?
2: And and I guess at some level we should be thankful that they're not just banning photography altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, the, the UK is probably has a greater history of doing that than we do. But you know, I, I mean, I've been to a lot of places where they just say no cameras at all, and that's obviously extraordinarily frustrating for a photographer to encounter something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know, Nicole. In your in your travels, have you come upon anything like that? Like, I'm sure not in Vietnam, they're not going to ban you, but like, did you hit any restrictive kind of areas where you felt like you shouldn't shoot or couldn't shoot?
1: Well, in in Vietnam, there, I went. I did a the little walkthrough of the Ho Chi Minh. A mausoleum, mm-hmm. where it's you know it's supposedly Ho Chi Minh actually you know encased in glass, and you're not allowed to bring any uh, photography equipment in there. That makes sense, you know it's probably a you know a sensitive thing they don't want you to photograph him. But other than that, they were not. You know, I walked through uh, the caves. There are these, these caves that I went through in Halong Bay, and I was probably the annoying photographer, you know, setting up my tripod, trying, you know, people could walk around me, but everybody wanted to stop and take pictures right where I was set up.
0: Right, right. So, They're like, follow Nicole and stand where she stood.
1: that <laughs> <laughs> uh, it wasn't really, there weren't any places that I could think of that, you know, cameras and tripods weren't permitted, but it's, Vietnam is a different you know, it's a different environment as opposed to like, I'm actually going to New York in a couple of weeks. So I'll probably get to experience the, you know, the wonders of you can't have a tripod here, you know, whatever, because so, I've heard stories about that part of the country.
0: So you're going from like, like, like sort of like country to, to the ultimate in cities in the world. <laughs> yeah, <pretty much. laughs> Why are we doing that? that well, I don't know. <laughs> you just going just to shoot?
1: Oh, I'm going with
0: I'm going with my boyfriend. <laughs> oh, very cool. Oh, so it's a vacation. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, this story is. I mean, it's it's really interesting. And Ron, you hit it on the head. We've been, I don't know, ever the over the past several years. Every now and then, we see a violation in photographer rights. You know, they can't shoot here or. This guy had his his card taken or something like that. Is this uh what do you what do you like in the Ron Brinkman sort of curmudgeon mode? <laughs> where do you see this stuff going to, you know, sort of ending up in say 10 years or so?
2: Obviously the the cameras are getting so small and so ubiquitous that I don't think that they're really going to be too successful in banning them in most cases, you know, when you can have them built into your glasses or a button on your shirt or something like that i'm sure that they're not going to really be able to police it at some level i mean i think the bigger concern really is when the government and my my big one is you know when the government says you can't take photos of police in action or things like that and that's that crosses a line between you know sort of i guess ignorance and stupidity towards evil yeah
0: (laughs) towards evil yeah yeah yeah, well, Nicole, what about you? I mean, I know you, we haven't had a chance to sort of debate debate this on the show or sort of talk about it in that, you know, sort of is it right, is it wrong area. But you've been you've been lately traveling around a lot. Have what do you think about just sort of the whole issue of restriction on folks that have a, a shutter to press?
1: You mean just like in general, like yeah. just taking <laughs> pictures and, yep. I, and? Well, I think that that if you're in a private, you know, in a pub- if you're in somewhere that's not public property, I think every, and people have every right to say you can't photograph in their facility, you know, or their building. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. It's that's it's that's a tough one. I think it's good to, you know, to be kind to people and to not photograph. Like every time I would photograph a person in, in Vietnam, I'd always do the point to my camera and kind of smile and you know point back and forth at them, and they'd either give me the yes or the no. And if they said no, I would completely. You know, I would respect that, and I wouldn't photograph them unless I had a long lens. And I didn't ask them; <laughs> I could take their
0: picture without them seeing me. Then <laughs> you're stealthy and like, la la la, I'm not looking yeah. at you. <laughs> click, click, click. <laughs> right. Yeah, were you going to say something, to run?
2: Uh, no, just our, our, our little uh, show notes that run behind the scenes here. Apparently, somebody, the British General of Photography, has actually filed a Freedom of Information request to with the London Transport people asking for you know why they did this particular ban. I think that's a good thing. I think these photographic organizations should sort of be our voice in these sort of scenarios. And having a trade organization speak back about some of these things is exactly what we need to kind of keep it fair and keep, have both sides playing the game.
1: Uh, are you guys familiar with Carlos Miller?
2: No. no.
1: He, he does a lot of... Um he reports on a website, I think on Pixie about or Pixic, I'm not sure how, how it's pronounced, but he's always writing articles about, usually about police officers and security officers harassing photographers when they have, you know, usually what's when they're in their full right to actually photograph in the area, that they're you know whatever. So I read today about uh, it was like a former senator or a former congresswoman who happened to be at a mall and she was just taking pictures of the Santa and. There was a kid sitting on the Santa's lap, and then, at, you know, she's just taking pictures of her iPhone, just like in the spirit of Christmas, you know, is what she said. Just She was just enjoying the scene, and it was in the mall. She walked away, and then the the mom, like, ran up to her and was, like, screaming at her and asking her why she took a picture of a kid. And then the security guard was harassing her and made her delete the photos. and. Ugh. It was just, you know, it, it was just ridiculous, and and so he reports on things like that. It's a really good, uh, I'm sure if you Google Carlos Miller, you'd be able to find, and we, I'm sure we can put it in the show notes, too, but that's a really good source for kind of keeping up on what's happening, usually around the U.S. for, the, you know, how, how they're restricting photography around the world and mm-hmm. some of the laws that are trying to be put into action. Uh, like, I think there's a, a, some politician trying to criminalize the use of the you know the the like photography of farms or something in florida yeah. <laughs> so it's just like really these strange things and it kind of opens your eyes up to what's
0: happening around the world Yeah, it's interesting i mean it's 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 almost like they're going to cross at some point the the miniaturization of cameras so that it, you won't even know that I have a camera in my baseball cap, you know, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're not allowed to shoot here. So the people with the stealthy cameras will be like, you know what, I'm going to go over there and take some pictures.
1: And those are the people that, you know, Like we always kind of joke about how, you know, photographers aren't terrorists. And right. terrorists aren't going to walk around with a 5D Mark II, a huge giant tripod. and Yep. You know, a giant lens, and actually, photog- unless they are actually, you know, using like 500 millimeter lens to get somewhere that you're not supposed to get. With a,
0: with most- a T-shirt that says "Evildoer" on the back, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> but but then again, if you're just doing recon, the most you can get the same information from Google Maps on the Street View than you can from just standing on the street and photographing something.
0: Yep. 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 I don't know. Where's this stuff going? Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> well, we'll be here telling you about it. <laughs> this next one Nicole is like right up your alley. Yeah. Uh I really want to hear what you had with you know coming from a coming from the background of a DSLR quality is important, you know, shallow depth of field into this story which is iPhone photos have arrived in stock photography. What what do you think about this?
1: Well, I guess I'll kind of give a little info on what the you know there's a, there's a website called auroraphotos.com. And apparently they uh, have an a iPhone collection, or just not, just not just iPhones, but a mobile phone photo collection. And it is, it is very different from what I'm used to as far as iStock, because iStock has very, very strict technical standards for the images. You know, they can't be over-processed, and they have to be technically sound and focus, And a lot of times, over-processed photos from a camera phone um are not going to, you know, fall within those standards. So, they're just very stylized, I guess. You know, I would say that there are photos on iStock that are very stylized so they have that kind of worked, you know, they they have a lot of texture and drama and color and vignettes and all these things added to them. But this is a completely different th- uh, you know, thing with the aurora photos. It's a uh, a complete collection of just, you know, camera phone fo- mm-hmm. uh, photographs.
2: Yeah. What's the reason for Limiting it to camera. I mean, are there really people out there that are feeling like I need a, a photo for an ad campaign and it must have been taken with a, an iPhone? I mean, other than Apple potentially doing uh, I something, I, or never, is it just a gimmick? I don't know. I've never
1: heard of this before. I don't know of all of the stock companies out there, and I don't believe that this is a micro stock company. It's more just a traditional stock. I looked at the prices and they're kind of in line with a normal stock agency um so it, this may have been around for a while maybe they they have a, no, a normal collection i didn't do a lot of research into it just the the uh mobile phone images
2: hmm. but it, it almost uh, sounds a little i don't, I don't want to say but i don't. i'm a little suspicious about yeah, it, I'm is with this, you. is this more something that this company is doing to kind of, you know one of those deals where submit your photo and then uh, we'll we'll let you buy a a book with it in it kind of thing and make the money off of people, you know. I mean, I just – I almost wonder, just because of the the weird sort of scenario, is there – some way they're actually thinking they're going to make money off the photographers as opposed to selling the photos to other people.
0: But I think, Ron, you brought it before a good point. Like, who – just taking it from a slightly different angle who cares where the pixels came from if they're okay right nicole i mean like yeah i think dslr pictures or photographs are stronger than iphone photos of course but if a product project or marketing manager or whatever is looking for a particular photo for a campaign and this image came from an iphone and it's okay it's good enough it's not You know, not going to blow it up to billboard size. Why not? Why not do that? Nicole, what do you think?
1: I, I really don't know because I, I agree with you. I don't think that it really matters where the, they came from. If it's a good photo, it's a good photo. I've actually had people – I've posted things on Google Plus before, and I, I think I just posted like an iPhone photo at one point, And I mentioned that, oh, look at this photo. I got it with my iPhone. Mm-hmm. And somebody was like, why do you need to mention that it was from your iPhone? You know? And I'm like, sorry.
0: <laughs> but, Did they say it in that voice? <laughs>
1: exactly in that voice. It was a little audio clip. But, it was in your head. <laughs> <laughs> but – yeah, I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter. So it is kind of interesting. It'd be interesting to actually chat with these people and, and just kind of find out the background behind it and what their intention is and what they expect it to turn into. And it might also be that they're trying to attract people who don't normally submit to stock because you can. They I think they have a way you can just email it straight from your phone. You don't even have to put it on your computer and do anything with it. So it's just like, oh, we will just email this photo to the stock people and it'll go right there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know
1: it's like they have like a little contest going on with it. And it looks like they also, um, they outsource their keywording. So you have to pay like 25 cents an image to have it keyworded. And What? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's what it says. It says and it will be outsourced for keywording. Keywording fees are 25 cents an image. And that, that will be deducted from their future royalty payments. So. Wow. I don't
0: know. There's
2: something odd about it. I don't quite know yet. There's something <laughs> Something's just, just,
0: fishy here. I don't yeah, know what smells,
2: it is. It smells a little bit. Off.
1: Yeah, there, and there's another thing um, that I, I noticed this as well, and it's, it's mentioned here in our, our uh, offline, or off the sidelines, a uh, little chat we got going on here, but they don't, this actually did kind of catch my attention when I first read through this, is that they don't require model releases, and oh, let's see if I can actually read it here so I can get the exact Um, releases, it says photographers are not required to submit releases, but releases should be available upon client request. And in my opinion, coming Mm -hmm. from, you know, I've been doing stock photography for a while now, it's on the photographer. If you, if you submit a photo and it gets used commercially and you don't have a release and you get sued or that like that, Per, that called the client gets sued, they're going to come right back at you and sue the photographer. It's not going to go through the, the stock agency. So mm-hmm. it, it's you know if you're getting people who are not familiar with, uh, they're like, oh, I don't need a release. That's great, and they just submit it. And then a client doesn't know any better, and then which they should, but you know not everyone is informed. And then they use something that they're not in a way they're not supposed to you know it's just it can just turn into a big mess so. That it doesn't
0: sound very pleasant <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know i i invite the aurora F- or photos folks to uh contact us and come on and and talk about this app and what your plans are for it and all that stuff you know there's a there's a contact forum on thisweekinphoto.com and we invite you to come explain to our audience what's going on here <laughs> <laughs> is Ron? <laughs> Ron giggles in the background. What is that, Ron? <laughs> I just—it'll be interesting to see what they—they uh, they show up. Bring it! All right. Uh, before we go into our next story, I'd like to take a moment to remind the audience that our Facebook and Google Plus pages are there and waiting for you to interact with us. You can join in on the conversation, submit your questions, comments, and more. Of course, you don't know how to find it on Facebook. It's just Facebook.com. Forward slash this week in photography, not just photo, photography. And I made a little short code for the Google Plus um TWIP page. Just go to FVG Fvj.me slash Twip Plus. as FVJ.me slash Twip And that will uh jump you over to our Google Plus page. All right. Um this next story is very interesting here. Um $70 million a month. Who, what company on the planet can afford to burn through $70 million a month? Nicole, who is this?
1: Kodak.
2: <laughs> yeah, more importantly, you can burn through $70 million a month with no revenue coming back out of that.
0: <laughs> well, I don't want to laugh. I mean, this is serious. I mean, you know, in all seriousness, Kodak, Kodak is like the, I don't know, Kodak is to photography what AOL is to the Internet. Right, I mean, it was like at the in the beginning of time there was Kodak, and now
1: Are you still work for AOL, Frederick.
0: I, well, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but AOL is historic in terms of internet lore, right? I mean, AOL, Excite, you know, come on, remember those? I'm with you. Anyway, a- anyway, thanks, yeah. Nicole. Anyway, Kodak. <laughs> kodak's burning through 70 million it just sort of reminds me of like um like a a dying star you know it's imploding on itself you know i mean
2: it's uh, every every business has a lifespan and i think you know clearly kodak had a lot of technical influence and they still have a lot of patents and a lot of intellectual property which just seems to be mostly what they're leveraging leveraging these days but yeah you know they didn't seem to keep up with the the digital photography world and this is the kind of thing we see all the time where companies are afraid to eat their own lunch and so somebody else does and i think they they must have just sort of over indexed on the film industry just a little bit too long and in the meantime other people came up and kind of got their wedge and their foot in the door I don't see them recovering.
0: It was like the it was like the pigs in, in Angry Birds stealing the lunch in the background. <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. Still, <laughs> I'm, I'm hey, sure come on. You play sure Angry that, Birds, get that, out of here. Love
2: that analogy.
0: <laughs> the listeners know what I'm talking about. You know? the yeah. The pigs I'm and Angry Birds that. have stolen Kodaks eggs that's all i'm
2: saying it's interesting because just as a side note coming out of the visual effects world one of the top visual effects companies is cinecite which is a kodak company and so i'm wondering what they're going to do whenever uh you know the rest of the, the world the rest of the photography side of kodak goes away but i don't know i'm sure they've got a lot of stuff I think it's just going to be a massive restructuring and like i said they do have a lot of intellectual property but they're at this point kind of running the risk of being perceived as almost a patent troll, because mm-hmm. they're really going after a, a lot of stuff that they have patents on. And I, you know, I, I mean, I have some sympathy for their position because they did get a lot of stuff. But I also am kind of against uh, a lot of the way the patent system works in general. So I can't really fault Kodak for doing that. I guess they're pl- they're playing the system as well as you know you can given the way the system the broken system works. But
0: I don't yeah. know. See. Nicole Nicole, what does Kodak need to do right now to to become and remain relevant? Hmm. If you were the Kodak CEO and <laughs>
1: yellow hire me first, don't they? You, you just
0: heard I'm this saying, on Twip please. and you're like, Oh, we gotta do something. They're talking about us on <laughs> TWIP now. What do you do to kind of keep the keep the plane at least from crashing into the runway?
1: You know, that's a tough one because, you know, I'm thinking to when, how, how I used Kodak when I was, you know, sh- shooting film, first of all. So most of my color film was Kodak. Um, I had Kodak, I'm sure I had Kodak color paper when I did color darkroom stuff, but I didn't never use any Kodak cameras. Mm-hmm. And, be- you know, th- I mean, this is just my personal experience with it, but film is going away. Slow, you know, it's it's still kind of there, but it's not enough to sustain a huge company like Kodak. Maybe they just need to downsize.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) that's. I mean, that's really all I can think of. Unless they are able to, I mean, I know they have point-and-shoot cameras, but there are so many other cameras. It's such a huge market. You know, every company has a point-and-shoot cameras, and and you know, I think exactly. Yeah, that's the problem. They
2: they keep they're playing the Me Too game like everybody else is doing, Mm -hmm. and this is stupid. I mean, I you know, cameras there is so many things that I could think of where cameras are going to change in the next 10 years. And they're not, it doesn't feel like anybody is really pursuing that to any great extent. You know, we've talked about so many different things on here about, you know, cameras with multiple lenses and cameras that run, you know, an Android operating system. So they're completely hackable. And, you know, why, why is somebody like Kodak who has, you know, a reasonable amount of cash and also a reasonable amount of patent strength and that they could sort of do things in the, Photographic space and not have to be constantly fighting against other companies with patent issues. You know they've got a portfolio of their own that is really strong in these kind of scenarios. Why are they just trying a bunch of weird sort of things? Because I really think that the the camera market is only going to grow. It's not going to. It's going to be in all kinds of different disciplines. It's going to be embedded in everything. You know, we. You're seeing this thing with camera sensors is kind of what the transistor revolution went through, where you've got this exponential growth. You know, Moore's law for for CPUs, you're seeing that same thing with the cameras now. They're getting smaller, they're getting cheaper, they're getting faster, better quality.
0: So you think? It, like, I don't know. What if? What if Kodak decided to do? Would take your advice, Ron, and then just go flailing like the nerd against the bully with his eyes closed? And they go like, "Okay, we're gonna go after Red. You know, Kodak versus Red. This is our last hurrah. We're gonna go for the upper high end of the market and say goodbye to all that point-and-shoot stuff." And, and let the let the competition have that. Is that what they should do?
2: Uh, I'm not convinced that that's the battle they should be fighting. I mean, Kodak has the problem of having a lot of infrastructure, so it's expensive for them to do stuff compared to a company like Red. But, you know, maybe. I mean, you'd have to analyze sort of do they believe that they can come up with sensors, uh, you know, the cost of, of building sensors at a better price point than some of these other companies. And if not, then maybe that's not where they should be going. But I, it just feels like there's so many potential ways that, photographic technology can be spun i I don't think it's right to characterize it as sort of flailing blindly with different things i think they should just but i think they should be you know put some money aside and come up with five new ideas a year and see which ones stick
1: why not come up with like a competitor to the fuji x100 because that's they are of any camera company they're like the classic you know Mm -hmm. camera or you know photography company and I love my x100 I, I just I need to ship it, and it's having a, it needs a warranty repair, but other than that, I love it and it's it's just it's got that retro feel about it, and Kodak could make something really comparable that would hope you know if it was good quality it should get some visibility
2: yeah it's interesting I mean I know and part of the problem is is that Kodak has already sold off some of their stuff. I think they've had some patent sales. I believe their sensor business has been sold off. There was a private equity company that bought that. So I don't even know how much of Kodak is left in Kodak, and that's probably part of the problem. You know, they're having some kind of a fire sale. Yeah,
0: maybe maybe it, maybe it's time for these companies, some of these these landing gear down companies to uh co- coalesce into one big company and become competitive again. For example, Olympus, um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs> they're they're coalescing.
0: In, yeah, or swirling the drain. I don't I don't know. Anyway, but We've been keeping up on the Olympus sort of saga that's been happening. Uh, Ron, you, you you know what's going on with this?
2: I mean, I've followed it. I know you guys have covered it a little bit in previous episodes.
0: Yeah, so bring us up to date on what's going on with Olympus.
2: Uh, I don't know if I have the latest latest. I believe the last I saw is that they managed to avoid getting delisted from the stock exchange, which is you know generally a pretty huge blow to a company if they've been a yep. large enough company to be on the stock exchange. And then they get pulled. That's sort of a real sign of the the end times but i think they managed to just avoid that and they're really in the situation where their whole management structure is in such turmoil that it's not clear who's going to be running the company going forward which really kind of sucks for photographers because i was really very hopeful with this sort of micro four-thirds coalition and getting a few companies working on the same standards and the fact that one of the two major players is having such trouble doesn't doesn't bode well for having a competing small format standard and you know the 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 fear is that it goes back into everybody having their own little standard of course that's not no standard at all then and we get back into the situation where you got to buy into a particular camera manufacturer and and body and lens mount and then if that doesn't make it then you've got to rebuy everything and Mm. kind of sucks for the consumer
0: yeah What what do you think nicole about this whole thing
1: uh, with the Olympus thing? Yeah. I Honestly, I don't really know anything about it.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, we won't rehash it on <laughs> again. <laughs> Olympus did bad things, and they are trying to remain relevant, basically. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. listeners, you'll have to do a search on thisweekinphoto.com to find the episodes that have the chronicling of the Olympus saga, but we'll continue to report on it. <laughs> uh, one of our show notes writers, Sohail uh, put a little note in there, our show notes here and he says this week the ex ceo michael woodford woodford is in tokyo to try and get restated as the ceo of olympus i don't know this is like can you imagine working can you imagine sitting in your cube over there ron <laughs> <You know? laughs> and like seeing all this stuff happening about your company it must be kind of stressful
2: uh, probably a little bit but you know <laughs> in times of great turmoil there's there are great opportunities uh, and i and i do believe that you know and it and it may very well be that this is a chance to clean house um the ceo that kind of was ousted because he sort of pointed out all these problems is the guy that you're talking about that's uh potentially trying to get reinstated the board certainly has I mean they've gotten hammered on the stock price so obviously they have incentive to try and get somebody to come in and and clean things oh. up. Uh, and then the stock has bounced back a little bit. It was down to like 424 yen and it's back up over a 1000 so but I think that's still like at least 50% off of its high so mm-hmm. yeah, it's all over the place
0: but wow, well, interesting. Well, 2012 may be the year for Olympus, positive or negative. We'll have to keep an eye on it. All right, uh, this last thing that I wanted to chat about is this is kind of important. Petapixel is reporting that um, they had a story over there that we we were looking at that CF cards may be replaced by this format called XQD. XQD. Do we need another format? Is it time? Is it just like okay, oh, we no. we haven't moved the furniture around in a while, so we need <laughs> something new. I don't know, Ron. What do you think?
2: I mean, you know, it's obviously frustrating to be having to think about buying new cards. It's a standard that's come out and or that has been proposed, I should say, and we're I'm sure we're a couple of years away from even knowing whether it's going to be a standard that sticks or not. I, mean, I think the reason. You know, SD cards seem to be everywhere, but they their top speeds still seem to be a little bit are are a little bit slower than compact flash cards. And this yeah. new standard is uh, supposed to get up to 125 megabits per second. So I mean, it's it's just fast. I mean, it's getting uh, and and theoretically even faster than that. You know, and there is room for fast fast cards there always will be because these cameras are getting the higher resolutions and they can take more frames per second so there there is room for this the question of whether or not it's got to be a completely new form factor mm-hmm. or is it going to be something that can be backwards compatible mm-hmm. i haven't seen i i saw a sort of a rendering of what this format looks like mm-hmm. but i didn't see whether it's still got the scenario where you've got all those little tiny metal pins that are sitting inside of your camera and if you Put it in slightly wrong, and it bends one of them. You're totally screwed, which, was which always... is not a
0: problem with SD, right?
2: Exactly, yeah. And it was always a terrible thing. I mean, it never happened to me, but you hear stories about. And the thing was, it was sort of backwards because the card didn't have the pins; it was the camera that had the pins. And so, if that got bent, then you were you, know, you couldn't just use a new card. You were <laughs> completely out of luck. So it was always kind of a bad design. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, yeah, we're gonna see formats change.
0: So, uh, so speed-wise, Nicole, you were... you're. you're... You know, just in Vietnam, you're going to New York. You're going to be shooting a lot, and you shot a lot over the over the past several years. Have you had have you with your camera? You're shooting a, a Canon Five D, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I
1: have a mark Five D Mark II.
0: Yeah, I, have you hit a point where you're like, oh, this, you know, and you're using fast cars, I presume. So have you hit a point where you're like, this this card is just too slow. It's it's you know, it's ruining my creativity.
1: Not with the type of photography I shoot, yeah, because I'm not. I, I would say that people who do any kind of sports or high speed shooting, they're gonna be the ones who are gonna want the speed. Or people who do a lot of video with their SLRs, they need you know, probably need the speed more than someone like me who's I'm I'm composing each photograph and I'm click, you know, and then reset click. Yep. It's a very slow process for me.
0: As but, by the way, you chronicle very, very nicely in your book. What's the name of your book, Nicole?
1: Oh, my food photography book from Snapshots to Great Shots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Next awesome plug there. thanks
2: he,
0: for, I appreciate that Frederick <laughs> yes yeah, so we'll link to that in the show notes. You, you, Congratulations. Mean you, don't, you don't
2: need high speed photography uh, for, for capturing food <laughs> action no.
1: I mean every <laughs> once in a while I'm trying to get you know that perfect syrup pour but yeah, other than yes. that it's you know
2: pretty yeah. slow going <laughs> wow That's yeah awesome. no, I, I, I've, there, I rarely run into the issue of my car doesn't fast enough either but every now and then you do but you know you're going to more and more as the bandwidth gets higher and higher so We'll see. I, you know, I kind of look at friggin' Thunderbolt and what that was supposed to be, you know, this new fast bus and how many Thunderbolt drives can you buy right now for for a Mac?
0: (laughs) I still don't have one. I think
2: there's one
1: out there that I know of.
2: Yeah, and it's There's $600. Border,
1: and I have I have a MacBook Air, so I don't want something that's going to sit on my desktop and have to plug into the wall. I want one of those little tiny passport ones that you yeah. can get yep. digital, and you can't get those in FireWire. I'm sorry, in the Thunderbolt.
2: Thunderbolt. I know, I know. So and you know, it's getting close to a year now that that has not even become a viable solution yet. So I think any card that they're talking about now, let's talk again in two years and see if it's
0: actually catching on. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't know. I, know. I think I just, I just get like, I go on this... I guess, old man rant when I think about this stuff. (laughs) Okay, that's my job. (laughs) I channel Ron Brinkman when I... (laughs) (laughs) and I just think, like, there's so much stuff, and I say this over and over on the show, there's so much stuff to do with the tools that we have right now in photography. You can do some... Have you seen 500 pics? You can do some insanely cool, amazing shots with the tools that we have right now. And then looking back even further and dating myself further with film... What was the max frame rate? I don't know, Ron.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it's very true, but we want the
0: latest. And, P- and look at the photos that people did back then. They're, they're still amazing stuff. Uh, and, and
2: you can say all that, Frederick, but you're still going to go out and buy a new camera in the next uh-huh. few
0: years because it's got the newest stuff on it. I'm not, I never said I wasn't, but... <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just saying, you know, you can do a lot with a little and and people get caught in that like David Dushman preaches all the time. People get caught in that trap of, you know, making the excuse that, hey, if I had the gear that Nicole has, I could shoot food just like she does. You know, (laughs) yeah. <laughs> so you know you, it's an, it becomes an excuse I, it's,
1: I think well it's just a, I think it's trying to find that balance because we ha, as photographers we have to have gear in order to create photographs. So it's trying you know you and you have to start with something and it's that process of you know of mostly new photographers trying or, or getting any into any kind of new field in photography trying to say, well, oh, maybe I need that certain light or that modifier or that lens. In order to get that, and, and instead we should just go out, try it, see what we if what we have works, and then you grow your gear as your photography grows, and that's my little. There's my little preaching about.
0: I love it. I love it. You're channeling David Dushman. <laughs> what, uh, Ron? What are you shooting with these days? By the way,
2: uh, I have still got my old Canon. What the hell is it? 40D.
0: Is that what um, you're taking to Egypt with you?
2: Yeah, you know, it's actually a good question. I I put in a pre-order on the uh, Panasonic. Um, GX one, mm-hmm. which is a micro four thirds, the new micro four thirds that Panasonic just announced. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, but it's not shipping, and it may not ship till the end of the year. And I'm hitting off right after Christmas, so, so I don't know. If, if for some reason I find out that it's going to ship, then I'll be doing this mad dash of getting a couple lenses to go with it, because I really like the idea of traveling with a smaller camera. It's
0: just you know, there's always borrow lenses. They may have one you can, you can go snag. Yeah, I news.
2: actually. Checked and uh, they don't know anything more about when they'll they'll ship as well. So it's, yeah. they just they just haven't started shipping to the states yet. Oh. So no, it's it's a you know right now I'm sort of at that little transition point where, you know, travel photography is, like any anything in photography, is a trade off, and one of the big trade offs is the size and weight of what you're carrying around. Yeah, and you know carrying around a a bigger. 40D versus you know, one of these smaller micro four-thirds cameras with smaller lenses, which is as much of the issue as anything.
0: Why don't you really challenge yourself and just leave everything at home and take your iPhone? <laughs>
2: there you go. Well, you know, when I went it's to... It's almost stock uh... photos afterwards.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. You'll make a million dollars. Come on.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, took, I took nothing but my uh, Canon point-and-shoot, my S95 or whatever it was, to Nicaragua. Yeah. Wow. Yep. And, you know, it was... There were times where I was wishing, oh, man, I could use a little more light gathering capability here. And there were shots where I sort of wish I had a little more resolution on it. But, you know, it's a good experience to kind of limit yourself. And there's no right answer. It's, it's just sort of what what are the trade-offs you want to make. And right now I'm kind of thinking Micro Four Thirds is but not having a shot with it. I don't know. So, mm. But, yeah, if anybody has an inside line on getting the, the GX-1 a little ahead of time, I know they're they're actually shipping in other parts of the world already. So, yeah. So if you up. help
0: Ron out, if you uh, if you can help him get that GX one before when when do you need it, Ron?
2: I'm leaving right after Christmas.
0: So. Right after Christmas, he's not looking for a discount. Well, maybe you are looking.
1: Well, maybe they'll <laughs> ship it to wherever you're traveling.
0: Oh, there you go. I should find out if it's. Yeah.
2: available.
0: That, can you sure. imagine? He he checks it to his hotel in Egypt, if or yeah. into his tent or wherever you're going to be staying, Ron, knowing you. Um, and there's a box with a camera in it, and you got to figure it out. There you go. <laughs>
2: That'd be fun. Make a good blog post. Ron, yeah. Ron's
0: in the desert somewhere, and he's like, "So, where do I plug in this charger?" <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. It yeah, it's fun. a little scary contemplating getting a new camera and then heading off within a week or two after you get it. Cause That's scary. All the little stuff that you're comfortable with, and just all the little gear things that you have. You know, the the remote timer remote shutter cable release thing and the uh, extra batteries and chargers and you know so it's i mean really close to getting to the point where i just got to say you know it's not going to happen for this yeah trip. <laughs> but
0: you know if worse comes to worse you do have a long flight over there you can just sit there and read through the manual and play with it you That's know the, pictures <laughs> the
2: person
1: next to you
0: yes <laughs> do you mind <laughs> i just
1: a flash real quickly you don't mind yeah you know, mm-hmm. I did find that when I mean, traveling, I, I I brought a lot of – I didn't bring all of my gear. I brought a good amount of gear. I have a, a Pelican 1510, and I kind of used that to haul my wow. things. I wasn't wow. really doing any kind of – you know, I wasn't doing – I didn't have to be real mobile where, you know, I was in hotel rooms and things. So I, I didn't – it wasn't a big deal to carry it around.
0: I was going to say, you probably had to, like, buy an extra yak for that, right?
1: I did. I, I had a, a, a transport yak. I don't know. Just, There's <laughs> a yak for that.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> There's a yak for nice. that. Nice. <laughs>
1: But I did find myself, I mean, I could probably travel anywhere with my 5D Mark II and my 70-200. to Because that's the lens that I use with all, like, most of my, my stock photography, all my food photography. And I like, so it's just like, I could probably live with that lens anywhere I go and I'd be, like, happy as a clam. So it's interesting, you, the things you discover about yourself as you travel and, and what, you know, what you can live without <laughs>
0: What was the biggest yeah. thing you learned? You know, did you, like, did you have any sort of life-changing epiphanies while you were over there?
1: Hmm. I think that the biggest thing I learned is just to kind of uh, go with the flow. Because there were a few times, or one in particular, where I was um, wanting to do, like, a, a, a bike. I just wanted to get on a bike and go by myself. And I ended up getting, it was with another girl. And we ended up getting on a, a, a just, like, a, a kind of a tour-y, touristy boat thing. It wasn't, like, a bunch of tourists, but it was considered a tourist boat. And the guy brought us over to the island and i just wanted to ride around by myself and he ended up i guess he had the impression that we were paying him now you know the whole seven dollars we were paying him was for a trip to the island and then he was going to write us around and show us around the island he didn't speak any english either so it made it very interesting and then he's going to take <laughs> us back and i'm like frustrated because i'm like i just want to ride around on my, by myself and take pictures by myself and i so i was a little frustrated at first but then I just was like, okay, I'll just go with this. And we ended up getting to meet his parents. So I got to see the inside of his parents' house. Oh, wow. And his, like, brother and his, you know, like, little niece and his whole family, basically. So it was, like, this really cool experience. And so it's like, okay, I'm just going to kind of let things happen and just kind of go with them and not trying to control all my situations, which I tend to do, I think, in my own life.
0: Yeah. I (laughs) am a leaf on the wind (laughs) with a camera. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah, Ron, is that your experience? Like when you when you travel abroad, is it better just to sort of relax oh, a little yeah. and go with yeah, it?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I am not one to over-plan trips because you know you, you just end up. I, I think the biggest thing is you just end up running into people along the way and yeah. it's sort of like, oh, well, you know, we're going down this way. What do you think? And you just that's end the up best
1: thing too. Travelling to somebody, yeah. Finding experiences and because I didn't really have, you know, I had an agenda. I had places I was going to be, you know, cities I was going to be in, but it wasn't like. Okay, when I'm here, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. It just, I'd find myself walking around in random places and and seeing some really cool stuff. That's yeah. exactly what I wanted. I, so, that's
0: Nicole, that's that's like a dream of a lifetime. I mean, like people dream about doing that. I'm talking about me when I say people. So. <laughs> But how much does something like that cost? I mean you were there what a week two I weeks
1: did, no, I was there for three weeks, and what I ended up doing was i took i did i took a tour i went on like a tour group, but it wasn't like this posh huge get in a bus and go to all the touristy places thing. It was more my way of getting from you know from city to city and it worked really well and I would say the whole minus seat you know, if i don't add food and everything into the cost, it was about two thousand dollars for just the travel and you know for the tour plus my airfare.
0: Wow. Okay. So so all in, are we talking about three grand total?
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, I did end up buying some, you know, I, I spent some money on uh, some travel equipment and some good clothes to wear and, you know, probably a few pieces of photography things. I don't exactly remember how much I spent on all that stuff, but uh, that stuff I'll use. I'll use again because I plan on doing quite a bit of traveling. Yeah. But, you know, and, and if you go to a place like Vietnam, it is so cheap to eat, yeah. to buy anything. So, you know, I bought some souvenirs for my family and friends. And uh, I would say my average dinner cost was like $6 for a, a huge meal, you know, oh, not like, not like yeah. I was overstuffing them, But, you know, just like an appetizer, entree, a couple drinks. And so it, it's really inexpensive to go out to that part of the world. And it was totally every moment of it was worth it.
0: No, no, Ron. Bring been Ron. You've been around the block, right? So I've been around the block. <laughs> what are we, what are we looking at in in terms of like going to some of the places you've been to? No,
2: I I, I agree with Nicole. It can be it can be very cheap. You know, it's the getting there which is expensive. I mean, I, like I said, this this trip is going to be nice because I'm actually using frequent flyer miles to to get over there. Yeah. Um, which if p- people should, um look at some of these websites I'll, I'll, I'll put them in my recommendations at the end i'll google them first but there's websites that kind of talk about how you can play the game of gathering frequent flyer miles and that sort of stuff you know signing up for credit cards uh, with bonuses and things like that And you know so most of these miles that i spent you know, i spent over hundred thousand miles on but most of them came from signing up for credit cards so it was wow. almost like free travel Wow. Um, so did you, so you sign up
1: for the credit card and not use it
2: uh, you use it for a little while, and then you, you either cancel, cancel it or, it? yeah, you know, most of these things are like, I mean, like, I, British Airways had a crazy deal last year, which was sort of an unprecedented one. It was literally 100,000 miles, and then you had to spend something like $3,000 in the next four months, I think it was. So, you know, re- a reasonable amount of thing. if You just sort of make sure you put all your charges on the card. Mm. And then you got 100,000 points, 100,000 miles for on British Air, wow. uh, which translates to round trip, you know, trip to somewhere interesting. So and, it, so and it cost me nothing, basically, I mean, to, to do that. And as long as your credit rating is good enough that you can get approved for these cards, and you don't go nuts signing up for a lot of them, you kind of monitor it. And that's the game these people play is kind of keeping track of their credit score and keeping track of when they signed up. And most cards do have a certain uh, amount of money you have to spend on the card in a given period of time to get that bonus. But so, you know, you can, you, anyway, bottom line is you can do a lot of that stuff to get your travel cheaper or just look for specials. Um, if you go to places don 't don 't decide you have to stay in the Marriott or the Sheridan or something like that because a lot of these local hotels are just as good and then and if you really want to go the cheap route there 's things like Airbnb where mm-hmm. locals just open up a spare bedroom at a before. place for yeah thirty bucks a night i 'm definitely going to do that a couple
0: places you 've done that nicole i 've
1: done it actually i did it in uh, i did it in seattle i haven 't done it in a foreign country but I did it in Seattle when I was uh, looking for a place to stay. I needed to you know, spend like two or three days in Seattle. And it's so expensive to stay downtown. It's like over two or $300 just for a hotel room. So I found a place that was within walking distance of the neighborhoods I was looking at, and it was like $70 a night, which is really cheap for this you yeah. know, part of but the it, city.
0: Was, was it someone's guest room? Thing? It was.
1: There was a, a woman who has like a an artist's loft and she loft and she works in it and there's also like a spare bedroom she doesn't live there but it's like a spare bedroom and a bathroom yeah and so just stay there and there you know I've, I've actually looked into that when traveling to places like I, I at one day you know at some at some time in my life i'd like to go to like iceland and it's pretty expensive to go out there but you know you can find little cottages out in random places with you know probably where it's a little bit more scenic yeah. instead of right in the city and you are know, in the a house like
0: like the one with the artist love. You were in the house and there's another person that lives there in another part of the house, right?
1: No, it was just a it was it was like a work live area, and she didn't actually live in it. That's oh, why okay. she had this spare okay. bedroom.
2: But but sometimes you are, often you are. Yeah, you know, I'm you just wondering
0: how that works. Like like, run. Say you go to some you know some exotic place and you no. arrange to stay in a room instead of a hotel because it's cheaper. You get yeah. off the plane, you get in your cab or you get your whatever, and you get to there get to yep. their house do you like have you show up there with your your bags in the front and ring the doorbell or yep,
2: that's <laughs> exactly what you do it's probably like a homestay that you're yeah you know. <laughs> no, that's exactly it. you know they, you're you're generally not going to be the first person to do this so they've already kind of figured out how it works too yeah and yeah they're just running out of room a lot of times they'll be happy to show you around the neighborhood or even include breakfast as part of it or something you know it's extra income for them mm-hmm. and in a lot of these places you know making an extra that's 70 bucks or 50 man. bucks or 30 bucks or whatever it is for a night is is noticeable money for them and uh, it's obviously from from the perspective of the traveler it gets you an insight that staying in the variant is you know never going to give you so I'm I'm all for that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and there's there's Airbnb which is kind of the uh I don't know salesy one I don't know what you're salesy but it's it's a more commercial version of it and that everybody on there Is generally sort of selling rooms for rent. Yeah. But there's also something called Couchsurfing.org, which is literally people offering up their couches for free, and just saying because they do it, you know, they they stay at other people's places for free, and it's sort of this network of people that just
0: kind of, you know, like what would be the incentive to do that though? I'm just thinking, like, why would I open? Why would I, if I lived in an exotic place? Why would that person like say, "Hey, come on in and crash on my couch"? And
2: well, first of all, it's not exotic to them, obviously. Yeah. you're the exotic one, right? You know, I mean, for that. Right. It's, okay, it's, okay that's, that's again
0: with the ugly American. Okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, and for them, it's as interesting as anything. Somebody comes in and stays in their place, and it's usually couch surfing is usually more a matter of people that do this anyway. So it's more like a network of people that kind of trade off. You know, you you invite people to come sleep on your couch, and then you know that you have kind of got karma points. And no, is is sleep is sleep on, on the couch, couch
0: a new euphemism that I don't I don't know about yet?
2: <laughs> no, I don't believe that. Frederick's so. getting all excited about this. So, like,
0: okay, now I see what the incentive okay. is. Okay. <laughs>
2: No, it's just people kind of traveling. It's just a sort of a network of travelers that do this, and they recognize, you know, why spend $100, $200 a night for a room? I, You know, some people don't like that, obviously. Some people yeah. want to have a, a a very comfortable environment. But for me, that's part of traveling is getting somewhere. And, you know, sometimes you, you, you win the lottery and sometimes you don't, and you end up in a place where you're wondering why you've got bug bites on you the next morning. <laughs> uh, but it's an uh, adventure, know. and that's uh, the purpose, It is. Right? It's part of it, so... Wow. yeah i mean i've I've stayed in some scary places, but you
0: know wow, yeah that's a whole nother show. We need to talk about travel <laughs> photography, or the the life of someone who travels a lot to take pictures, you yeah know? absolutely. All right, let's 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 move on. It's time for some listener Q&A quickly. This is the segment where our guests get to answer questions that have flowed into us from our audience via our va- various vehicles, whether it be our forums, our Facebook group, Google+, Twitter, et cetera. Remember to get in touch with us. Just use the hashtag pound or hash, TWIP questions, and uh, submit your question, and we'll get to them on future shows. This first question, number one, Nicole, I'm going to throw it to you. You want to go ahead and read that?
1: Yeah. uh, Nicholas Missouri on our Facebook page writes, I was noticing that in Lightroom 3, my shots with my Canon 50D shot in raw are posturized in the blue and red areas. When the files are open in Canon's digital photo pro software, the images look fine. What is Lightroom doing to my images and what can I do to fix them? They print posturized as well. So it doesn't appear to be an issue with the JPEG preview that Lightroom is creating. Mm -hmm. Um, wait wait. the print postures. it doesn't it doesn't appear to be an issue with the jpeg preview i don't understand that but basically the my answer to this is you know he's having problems with basically some artifacting it sounds like in certain areas of uh, the photographs probably in it says in the blue and the red areas i'm assuming that means the um, the colors are being clipped or they're just you know over processing or banding or whatever. Uh, the thing is with raw processors, they all render the files differently. They mm-hmm. you know you're seeing what you're seeing is a preview of the image, um, you know a JPEG preview in your in in any kind of raw processing software. So it has to actually render a different file every time you're looking at it, and. What you, you might, what I would recommend trying to do is in Lightroom in the Develop module at the very bottom. There's a set, there's a panel called Camera Calibration, and try and play around with those profile settings because it usually comes up. I think the initial one is uh, Adobe Standard is the one that's going to pop up initially, and you can click on that. And then you should get the Canon ones, which I believe are like Camera Faithful and Landscape and Portrait and then Camera Standard. And those are going to change the, the settings. It's going gonna, it's gonna to affect the colors very differently as you scroll through them. It's actually kind of something that's just fun to do in general and see what it does differently. And then you can also adjust the color sliders underneath. Maybe you could play with the saturation of the blue and the red and see if that helps and kind of bring those colors down a little bit.
0: Very good.
2: Yeah, something some, something sounds weird because obviously a lot of people run these type of files through Lightroom and uh, don't have a problem with it and there's so there's clearly not an overall bug in Lightroom for this kind of an issue. So I got to believe he's got some kind of settings uh, in a weird state. Yeah. I don't know if it's, there's a way to reset everything all the defaults or something like that, but yeah, it, there's, it doesn't sound right. Do
1: a Google right. search on resetting Lightroom. I'm sure it's probably just like a hold the command option shift and then open it or one of those things. Right. But you could also, and also if he does find a setting, you know, if Nicholas finds a setting that works really well, he can save that as a preset and then have it on all of his imports whenever, you know, have it as an import preset when he imports his images into Lightroom. So that way will, and you can do that with anything really. If you find a setting, like I have a setting in uh, Lightroom that automatically applies the uh, lens profiles, the you know, the default lens profile. So if I shoot with a 14 mil, it's going to adjust it. If I shoot with a 70 to 200, it's going to automatically adjust it. So I have it set to do that. You can do it with any setting in Lightroom.
2: So a little tip there.
0: Very cool. All right, Ron, you want to go ahead and run with uh, question number two?
2: Sure. It's uh, Gavin Beckford on our Facebook page, right? So we'd love to hear your perspectives on non-Nikon and non-Canon gear. For example, if you woke up one morning and there was no more Canon or Nikon gear to shoot with, perhaps caused by a Pentaxonia Olympus WMD, MD, what system most inspires you and be your ongoing choice for photography, considering glass range, support, bodies, etc.? I guess in some ways I've sort of already answered this in the sense that I am kind of looking into the Micro Four Thirds as an option, Um, given and and, and honestly the biggest thing is just the prevalence of lenses that are available for that that standard now. There's a a reasonably good range that are really is only rivaled by the Nikon's and the and the Canons in terms of different types of glass that you can get for the system. You know the other one that seems to be a strong contender. Uh, although I've never shot with it, is Sony. Uh, they have the new mirror, mirrorless systems that are getting really good reviews. They have a very wide range. Um, but it seems to be mostly Sony glass. So I'm kind of, you know, if I had to pick one standard that I'm looking at, it's definitely
0: the Micro Four Thirds with the,
2: the Panasonic, the Olympus, and then some of the third-party, like the Zeiss lenses that are available for it.
0: Very good. Yeah, you're the you're the perfect person to answer that, Ron. Because I don't, I n- I never hear you saying that. Hey, I'm going to run out and buy the latest full frame DSLR. <laughs> well, you available. know,
2: I mean, I would love to be able to afford to have, you know, the have both to have a full frame, you know, five D Mark II or or the high end Nikon and, and a full set of glass to go with that. Because if if it's the kind of thing where I'm shooting around the, you know, in in a controlled setting. Uh, where I don't mind lugging a lot of stuff around, then clearly the image quality is better. I mean, I, you know, I, I absolutely recognize that, that having a full-frame sensor uh, in, in you know, one of the newer, higher-quality sensors is going to get you better, and I'll put that word in quotes, photos, uh, in terms yeah. of just the general technical specifications. But like I said, it's such a trade-off uh, when, you're, when you're lugging the stuff around in your back that you kind of have to make that decision of how much image quality are, are you willing to give up in certain situations to really to get the shot you know it's it's not like you're saying I'm going to give up image quality just for the sake of giving it up it's I'm giving this up because I wouldn't carry the camera or that lens around with me anyway and so I wouldn't be able to get the shot at all so it's right. kind of where's that trade-off
0: yeah. But then there's Nicole who who now Nicole, I would assume that wherever you go, you have that, that canon with you, correct? Oh if
1: I well if I'm traveling, I you know, I'm more than likely gonna have my uh and I won't carry my SLR with me every single place locally. But right. if I'm traveling I'm gonna bring my Mark II and uh, maybe my like I brought my six C D with me as well just for uh Time lapse stuff when I was out there. So, you know, I have to bring a little more equipment if I'm really, you know, because I was out there. My whole point of of traveling and and from here on forward as well is is to create photographs. I've obviously to, for the reason, you know, the whole purpose of traveling is to travel and experience new places. But because I'm a photographer, creating photographs is a huge part of that. And it would almost be like, you know, it sounds silly, but if something were to happen to my gear before I got there, you know, like in transit, it'd almost be like, Why am I even going? Yeah, <laughs> you'd drive. be the depressed
0: person <laughs> yeah, moping I around.
1: So I'd be like, Where can I buy a new camera?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, guys, before we uh, continue, uh, nod to our sponsor, squarespace.com. They're the fast and easy way to create a high quality website or blog. And as we've been telling you, on the show for a while, they they are the online service that gives you this u- easy to use user interface for creating and managing your web presence. It's optimized for folks that understand how to use CSS and manipulate their web that way or their website that way. And folks that Don't care to learn how to do that. They've got hundreds of templates that you can pick and choose and then sort of customize it, tweak it to fit your particular needs. It just goes on and on and on. They've got iPhone and iPad apps so you can update your blog. And the help, their online support team is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week to help you keep your website presence up and running. Now, if you want to get a free trial of Squarespace, just head over to squarespace.com. You can sign up for a free account. You don't even need a credit card. Just try it out, build your website. Then if you decide that you want to keep that site, just use the offer code TWIP12, that's TWIP12, and you'll get 30% off your new account for the next three months. That's squarespace.com with the offer code TWIP12. One two. All right, guys, it's time for the pick of the week or the picks of the week. This is where each guest on the show gives their pick, and it can be software, hardware, gear, workshop, whatever, as long as it is somehow related to photography. Ron, what is your pick of the week?
2: <laughs> All right, mine's pretty silly, but so I was watching uh, some fireworks here at the beach a couple of days ago because we do fireworks at holiday time around here, <laughs> and somebody had these weird. Cheap glasses that they were passing around that had these little this this prismatic lens in them that sort of gives these really interesting kind of rainbow looking lens flares I guess you would characterize it as um, but they're really cheap just little paper things with thin plastic lenses if you will it's it's more like just a sheet of, of uh, you know thin thin plastic. But it gives this really interesting kind of an effect. So, of course, I had to try holding it up in front of my iPhone camera and taking pictures through these glasses instead. And it's pretty cool. And it's just sort of an interesting little effect that doesn't require you to go in and post-process process something to get a different kind of view of things. So I went ahead and looked on Amazon. You've got these glasses. You can buy them for about a, you know, a couple dollars on Amazon. And it's sort of an interesting thing to have around in a lot of situations. Basically, it's just sort of interesting lens flares, but they're designed to give this little prism. So... We'll put a link in the show notes, but you can go on Amazon and search for 3D fireworks glasses. They're literally called that. It costs $1.75 and just something fun to have around. And I'm, uh, I'm tempted to just get it and sort of toss it in my camera bag if I ever am looking for just a weird kind of uh, optical effect on top of a uh, regular photo.
0: No, Ron, you've been like kind of like the Doc Brown of photography over the past couple of weeks. <laughs> there's there's a Lifehacker article that mentions your name and a Gizmodo article that mentions. What's going on? Why are you getting famous? <laughs>
2: yeah, the the Lifehacker Gizmodo fame. <laughs> hey, that, you're geek
0: this. famous at least,
2: right? Well, the funny thing is, so okay, so what this was is I had I had a. Uh, A box of mirrored tiles uh, that I was actually considering for a different sort of photo-related project, but I never got around to doing it. But anyway, it's the you know the kind of mirrored tiles you might put up in in your bathroom or something like that. You know, they're 12 inches square, and there's a box of six. And at some point, I was looking at this thing that I never did anything with and had been sitting on a shelf for six months, and like you know, you could make a box out of those things with the mirrors facing inward, wouldn't that be cool? So I ended up just grabbing some duct tape and I made this little cube out of these six mirror tiles with all the mirrors facing inwards and then i put my camera inside of it a little point shoot inside of it uh and set it on self-timer with the flash set to go off and put the top the the lid on the box which was another mirror tile facing inward and so you basically get one of those little hall of mirrors infinity looking things yeah it was like like a disco club from this like the 70s or something and it actually it turns out pretty cool, and then you start playing around with putting things inside of there, like candles and uh, other reflective objects and all that. But I mean, it was just a silly little, uh, probably three four hour project, and I put it up on on my blog digitalcomposting.com. dot com, and Gizmodo picked it up, and then Lifehack picked it up, and it sort of went all over the web. It's like one of the one of the largest hits that my blog has ever gotten. That's crazy. But, yeah, it's it's pretty. I mean, it, literally, you can just. Google, uh, you know, mirror box, and I think it's like the top hit, hit these That's days.
1: That's pretty cool. I'm looking. At <laughs> it is really out. cool. Yeah, yeah
0: cool we definitely have to link
2: think, to this. And the, you know, the fun thing is, I mean, like I said, it was a couple hours worth of fooling around. It cost I don't know 20 bucks for the mirror tiles uh, off of Amazon even, so just delivered to your door. And I think there's actually probably a lot of stuff that if you really want to spend a time playing with it, there's a lot of things you can do. You know, the trick is you kind of shoot. Uh, different angles, so you don't necessarily see the camera reflected millions of times in there. Uh, there's there's tons of variations you can do, so I, check it out. I mean, just go go look on my blog. You can sort of see the details of what it is, but it was the kind blue, of funny.
1: The blue green one with the, just the camera in it almost looks yeah. like you have like a Canon ad, like a camera ad. For the I know
2: ca- it's it's funny because the camera is it's always in the center of the frame, right? Because you're it's pointing straight back at you unless you tilt it off to the side. But if you just set it in the bottom of the box. The camera is basically taking a picture of itself, but everything else is sort of reflecting around it. So it does. It looks. It's very well placed for showing off your camera in that setting.
0: Now, Ron, what I would like to know is, do you actually own a little toy R two D two and C three PO? I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like here's like a kid <laughs> in, at home. I can <laughs> see you like with Legos and your mirrors. Well, you know,
2: <laughs> it's actually <laughs> there's a whole bigger story behind. It. So. Okay, if you go to my blog and look at the post before this post, there's a um, a video of a talk I gave at a little tech conference here in L.A. called Mindshare. Mm-hmm. And I talked about the future of photography. And uh, it was like a 15-minute talk that sort of talks about a lot of the same crap that we talk about every every week on the show here. Yeah. Um, but as part of making the slides for that, I was talking about the Lytro camera. And I needed a good example of sort of what it would be like to be able to focus or change your focus from foreground to background. So this is a lo- this is a really long story for, for no point. But I wanted to have an example of, you know, focusing on the foreground and the background. And so I bought these little R2-D2 and uh, C-3PO <laughs> droids to put in the foreground and then, Darth Vader and a Stormtrooper to put in the background so I could make the joke about if you get back and you decide that you wanted to focus on the background instead of the droids in the foreground because these aren't the droids you're looking for.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> you did not go there.
2: <laughs> oh, God. So really, yes, yeah, so I, I basically spent $20 Ron, you get this, all the girls, don't just, you? <laughs> just to make a really nerdy joke. But the, the other part of this whole story is, okay, so I spend weeks putting together this nice, concise, uh, intelligent, well-thought-out presentation on the future of photography, put that on my blog, and it doesn't get anywhere near the number of hits. <laughs> these two-hour projects of putting a bunch of mirrors together. So
0: And such is the lopsided nature <laughs> of the World Wide Web. <laughs> exactly right. Anyway. All right, Nicole, what's your pick of the week?
1: Uh, my pick is an iPad app, and it's uh, from Trey Ratcliffe. Uh it's a beautiful iPad app. It's called Stuck on Earth and it's free. So if you have an iPad, just go and download it right away. And what it does is it takes photos from Flickr that I believe you have to you can actually put your own photos in it too. You just have to put them into a, a Flickr group. And they have to have a geotag on them. And then you can go in this app and it's just a big map and you can kind of scroll in and look at photos that were photographed in all these areas all around the world. So it's, it's kind of a fun way to, like, say you're planning a vacation and you want to see what kind of photos are in the area. You can, you know, scroll in and see what kind of stuff to expect. Or, or just if you just kind of feel like spending 10 minutes on your iPad looking at really amazing photos, <laughs> you just kind of scroll through it. So yeah, I got to say really- that,
0: that app, the Stuck on Earth app, and I think the 500 Picks new app, are the some of the the main reasons i still use my ipad it's just like it's the these apps are beautiful the stuck on earth app is just designed like a it um, really
2: is yeah i've played with it too and it's just trade does such a nice job just in terms of the 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 framework around it it's just really pretty and nice and i mean at some level all it's doing and i don't want to diminish it because it's great but you know really it's just sort of an alternate browser to geotag photos on flickr right but he did such a nice job for making. no he's it
0: got people curating people. these too though i well, mean
2: yeah and then and i think there is that second level of uh sort of bubbling the good ones to the top as well yeah yeah. And we
1: can create like I actually have like I'm I'm creating a like a top 50 list. I'm trying to get some really great photos from Utah, of you know people to upload. So anyone out there, here's a call. <laughs> if anyone out there has some really cool photos of Utah, some of the unique places, put them in the in the user group, or in the in the group for the Stuck on Earth app, and I'll take a look at it. And I'm just trying to get some really you know some good photos. And there are a lot of other kinds of photos, uh, lists. You know, maybe like top 50 lighthouses, or you know. I'm exactly sure what
0: they all are. There's a bunch of them. Cool. All right. Stuck on Earth. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely link to that from the show notes. And my pick real quick is I'm on this whole marketing kick for, you know, photographers and, and how to get Basically, creatives get their how do how do they get their name out there because the whole the whole um, stereotype for creative people is you know the starving artist metaphor you know you do all this be- beautiful work and then nobody knows about it so i 've been on this kick of how do you how do creative people get the word about get the word out about what they 're doing using today's tools. So one of the ones that I'm researching right now, it's called AWeber and we'll put a link to it in the show notes. I just I shortened it to fvj.me/email. But these are one of those this is one of those services where photographers and creative people, this is an area where they need to start building out what they're doing online in terms of you need an email list if you're gonna be in contact with your customers in any way don't be relying on services like Twitter and Facebook to stay in touch with your customers with an email list you sort of own that relationship so I'm going through all that stuff and I'm learning and this is one of the ones that I'm currently researching in depth we've been using it on Twip for a while but now I'm looking at it with new eyes from a photographer marketing standpoint and um, so yeah so check it out it's what's at the top of my mind right now is the email marketing all right, folks, we are once again at the end of another episode of TWIP, sadly. Ron Brinkman, where can people go to find out what you're up to and what magic and mischief you're getting into?
2: Well, like I said, um, my my blog is digitalcomposting.com, and there are a couple of fun things up there right now. So check that out. And, of course, I'm always on Twitter as at Ron Brinkman, and I am on Google+, Plus, but I don't know how to tell you to get there. So figure it <laughs> out yourself.
0: Yeah, you. Well, see, Nicole's gonna but, put you to shame right I, now.
2: I, 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 so this, okay, this is my question for you guys. What do you do? Do you just set up a separate alias,
0: or is there a way? Nicole, to it? what do you do? How did you do it?
1: I bought my own URL,
0: uh, and I
1: directed my <laughs> Google Plus
0: Nicole. a while. like that. I bought a condo because I want <laughs> traffic at this.
1: <laughs> no, it's just so much easier to say. You know, okay, so, okay. So, I mean, if I can go into, but my. How, so Nicole, how can we find you on the web? Well, thanks for asking, Frederick. Uh, you can find me on Google Plus. Just go to NicoleZPlus.com.
0: Yeah, NicoleZPlus. Yeah, it's so it, it's easy.
1: T-O-S-S-Y plus. So, so what I
0: did, Ron, is I use this service. You know, uh, on my personal blog, I have um, this plugin. It's running on WordPress. There's this plugin called Pretty Link Pro. Pretty Link Pro, right. and basically, it's like a it's like a Bitly shortener, but you own it. Um, and I shortened all my links using my own shortener so I can track and metrics and all that stuff. So, yeah. and that's what I did for this for the, for my Google plus page. I just put it in there and shortened it to, you know, M E slash twip plus and for twip and plus for me. So, uh, easy.
2: So, so you're saying that that's easier than telling people to go to plus.google.com slash 108111371538822730335
0: slash posts? You know who would be able to remember that? <laughs> C3PO. Good. Re- yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm sorry, Nicole. Where else? So, NicoleZplus.com.
1: Oh, you know what? I'm just, All I'm going to throw out there is my Google Plus. It's NicoleZplus.com. Um, if you search for me on Google Plus, it's Nicole S. Young. Because that's really – I use my blog still. I'm I'm kind of using Twitter, but it's all linked on Google+. Plus, and so that's kind of just the – that's kind of the best place to find me these days. So you're,
0: you're driving – so you prefer people go to, to com first yep. or Google Plus first. Yeah. And then if they can't find you, then they can also find you on those other services.
1: Yeah. Well, if you Google nicolezy, you'll find me. Oh, yeah, I'm easy to find.
2: And if you go to com, then you can just look in her friends list and find me.
0: <laughs> we're
1: friends. We should be. That,
0: for, are, that is me, sort of your passive aggressive, please friend me <laughs> thing, Ron. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we're, we're friends on Plus. Yeah, yes, we are. Yes. You, we're other, all connected
1: since you posted.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not relaxed really on Plus yet. Yeah. I guess I you know,
0: be. it, it I turns out, Ron. The more you put in, the more you get out. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I will say that
1: if it, I think it's it's been a I was I got in real real early when it was still I think in the beta phase and it you know obviously it turned out to be a really great platform for photographers and I've really kind of I still kind of use Twitter but it's so you have to really really be following Twitter all the time to keep mm-hmm. up with it yeah. and I found that you know Google Plus is a good way to just kind of see what's been going on through the whole day instead of what happened oh crap I missed everything that happened today I'm only catching up on what happened in the last ten minutes
0: yeah right. So, I love it. Yeah, we did a whole show on Google Plus or a big segment on Google Plus with uh, Thomas Hawk, awesome. and uh, of course he was raving about it. Too. Uh-huh. All right, um, that's it. We're at the end of the show. To the listeners, don't forget to tune in. I don't know if you can tune on the web, but don't forget to click over to Twip uh, on the last Thursday of every month, starting again in January. Um, You can follow our Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus feeds to be reminded of when we're going to go live. And uh, if you want to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, you can just head over to ThisWeekInPhoto.com. There you'll find links to all of our online presences. And also, please support the show by leaving us a comment on iTunes love to get the comments to help us make the show a better place for you to listen to and also speaking of iTunes you can check out our twit podcast app it's a handy way to keep up with the shows just as soon as they hit the feed so you get your app you hit access instantly and right away right from your device and we're also now available on Android devices by the way we've been a lot of feedback from folks saying Hey, there's um, you know, more Android phones out here than iPhones, so please support it. So we are supporting Android now. You can subscribe to the feed, just click over to the website for details. And finally, if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can always find me at frederickvan.com. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off.